0: Hey kids, let's talk about fast fashion. It's me, Cindy. And damn, I went to TJ Maxx this week looking for a couple of sweaters. Maybe a new black turtleneck? And what did I get? Nothing. That's like a call Ripley's statistic. Believe it or not, I couldn't find a single sweater or shirt that I even tried on, even thought about buying, not even stopped to look closer. Nothing. Okay. Okay. There's a certain understanding that when you shop at Marshalls and TJ Maxx that you're going to have to skim through some pretty miserable entries into the category of clothing. Styles that were designed by I don't know who or especially why. You know, the really tragically ugly or awkward, the color of vomit or some pattern that was conjured up in a nightmare. But you expect that, well, you expect, or at least I do, to find some gems tucked in among the fashion rejects. But here's the problem. Now, it appears that fast fashion has flooded their inventory like a tsunami of bad taste, of cheap, really cheap fabrics, mostly made of synthetic materials. You know, some not too distant relative to plastic, so they feel almost greasy, slick, moist. Fast fashion is the term that describes clothing that jumps on new fashion trends and mass produces cheap knockoffs made from cheesy materials and manufactured in factories in China, Vietnam, the Philippines, where the workers are maybe earning a couple of dollars a day, maybe more. And granted, the cost of living is lower, but sometimes when I'm looking at a shirt that feels slick in my hands and I see that it's made in what I assume to be something of a sweatshop, it just feels too creepy to buy it. Now, I haven't done extensive research on whether all the bad press and attention on sweatshops has had any impact. Maybe that's even resolved. But even assuming that it has, when you're looking at a $20 price tag on an imported rayon polyester spandex striped cardigan, and given the clothing can have a markup of over 100%, how much do you think the cost to manufacture is? And what percentage of that went to the person who actually made it? Sometimes having even the slightest bit of awareness can just ruin it for you. Like Walmart. I know everything is cheaper there than almost anywhere else, but there's a dark, if not dark at least, cutthroat and merciless reason for that. And, well, I've learned enough about their practices to know I cannot in good conscience support them with my dollars. I suppose there are more stores and corporations with shady or mercenary business models, and if I spent more time looking into how deep this goes, I would eventually probably have to grow my own food and weave my own fabric to sew my own clothes. And since neither gardening nor sewing are within my skill set, I'm better being a little less informed. You know another thing I learned about from documentaries? How about donating clothing? That is, the clothes we've tired of, or in some cases outgrown, has had a huge global impact. My daughter Catherine implored me to watch a documentary called T-Shirt Travels. It's about how massive numbers of T-shirts, I'm talking millions, donated to local locations of, in most cases, national charities, get bundled and shipped off to Africa where they are sold off, then divided up into smaller bundles and sold off to people who resell even smaller batches to individuals who then take the shirts back to their villages and sell them, which at least helps them make a little money. But it has also crushed the local textile businesses, and it has altered the culture as now you have villagers wearing Nike t-shirts or... Those T-shirts that were made in anticipation of a Super Bowl champ that wound up not being the Super Bowl champ, and they had all those shirts, and they had to get disposed of somehow. Bet you never thought of that, did you? Yeah, so T-shirt Travels, the documentary. Yeah, watch it if you can bear having even more guilt about something that is mostly completely out of your control. I mean, I'm not sure where that gets us, other than feeling bad. But maybe someone will see it and figure out a way to reverse the negative impact. I mean, if I could sew, I would take all the T-shirts that I have grown bored with, or... (laughs) Don't fit anymore, and make them into a t-shirt quilt or many t-shirt quilts. Seriously, I love that idea, but I am unable to bring it to reality. But back to feeling bad when you learn more. Documentaries can do that to you, fill you in almost too much. On the other hand, they can help you make sense out of something you just didn't understand. Watching the brainwashing of my dad gave me an analysis of how Fox grabs an audience and keeps it. Or it can completely change your perspective or clear up a misunderstanding on something you thought you understood. Like the documentary, Hot Coffee, which peels back the curtain and reveals the true story behind a story that was sold to the public as a greedy woman suing McDonald's because she spilled her coffee. I bought it. Everybody bought it. But then you watch this documentary and oh my God, the top of your head's going to blow off when you learn what that lawsuit was actually about and how the truth got twisted after going through the media circus and presented as the epitome of a frivolous lawsuit, a misinterpretation that became the basis for new laws that would protect and therefore benefit corporations. That's not too evil. Yeah, it was. There's always a documentary about Walmart called The High Price of Low Costs, which explains how they got all those bargain prices and resulted in my commitment to a lifetime boycott. There is an ease, a simplicity in ignorance. And I don't mean stupid. I mean just not being aware. Because once you are, it can change the way you go through life. So back to TJ Maxx and my sad shopping day. Aside from everything being too ugly or feeling like it was dipped in a wax solution and plaguing me with guilt if I even considered buying any of it... I'm going to guess the big trend this fall is expected to be sleeveless sweater vests. Because there were, I'm telling you, dozens and dozens where the turtlenecks and the boat necks should have been. It's either this fall's hottest fashion trend, or it was last fall's failure and the resulting overstock has made its way to TJ's. While I am among those who has on occasion, over time and exposure, gone from avert my eyes, avert my eyes to, eh, to, well, two, hmm, not bad, two. Hmm, I at least try it on, see how it looks, too. I'll take it! I'm pretty sure as far as that sleeveless sweater vest thing goes, no matter how much I see them, I'm never going to get past the, eh, stage. To eat your own. If sleeveless sweater vests are in line with your style or comfort or taste, I will not point and laugh or criticize. I am not here to judge. There are plenty of things I've bought over time and had to suffer the objections or sometimes even ridicule of my friends. But I love them and wore them happily anyway. I'm just saying... For me, sleeveless sweater vests, not going to be in that category. Wait, there's a tiny little memory waving its hands frantically to be recognized. (laughs) I did have a sleeveless sweater vest once, ages ago. It was, and this is why I bought it, the most beautiful cornflower blue, or sort of a light periwinkle. Check that giant box of Crayolas for the color reference. Anyway, that was back when I still bought things that made my eyes tingle. And they, like the sweater vest, were all doomed to live hidden in the closet or dresser till I could finally concede I would never actually wear them and put them in a yard sale or donate them to the local thrift shop. At least I've learned to stop myself from bringing home something that is only going to be in my personal clothing museum before moving out. That museum barely exists anymore, except for, oh my kidding, there are dozens of dresses. I got a gold satin 40s style dress. I got a flannel buffalo plaid that was supposed to be for work. I got some pants. Oh, I have these embroidered blue jean bell bottoms that, well, when I saw them, they were impossible to leave behind. I have too many silk and satin or Crayola colored shirts and sweaters to list here. But while I do have my personal fashion museum that will never see the light of day, The collection is never going to be expanded because I have developed sales resistance. I have like a six-point plan. Here's how I do it. Imagine you and me were at TJ Maxx, and it's not all stocked with fast fashion and sweater vests. There are actually some things of special interest. Okay, so here's what I do. My first thing is I stop before I even take the hanger off of the rack to look. How much is it? I have a distinct cutoff. If it has a lavender tag, which means it's like real fashion, or it exceeds my bar, I just move on. Assuming the price within reason, though, I pull it out of the rack to give it a good once-over. Any weird design feature I can't live with? No? Then I find a mirror and I hold it up. You know, put the hanger under your chin to see, does the color work? Do I look healthy or like I need more sleep? Assuming the color passes the eyeball test, I take it to the dressing room. Does it fit? Does it look good even if I'm not holding my stomach in? If it's still passing the test, now comes the hard part. Will it match anything that I already have? Can I take it home and wear it out without waiting until I buy the new fill in the blank to wear it with? How many unpaired tops or pants do you have? So if the price, the design, the color, the fit, and the promise of being able to put it right to use all pass the test, It's going home with me. But, final note, everyone knows that TJ Maxx and Marshalls have perfect lighting and magic mirrors in their dressing room. So the final test is to buy it, because there's no going back to get it later, because things go too quickly. There is only the didn't buy it remorse when you shop there. Anyway, I take it home. I try it on at home with the normal mirrors and the civilian lighting, and if it still looks good, it's a winner. If it doesn't, I take it back. They know me so well now. They're like, oh, hi, Cindy. This didn't work for you. Anyway, there you go. Now you know my greatest clothes shopping tips. And if not the secret to my success, at least the key to not having a closet full of clothes and still nothing to wear. That's such a cliche, isn't it? Well, that's it for me for now. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe to the It's Me Cindy podcast, where it's just me sharing what I've learned, seen, experienced, and figured out in an effort to have a happier and more grateful life. Thanks for listening.